Hey Church, I hope you had an awesome week last week uh, and I truly believe that the coming week is going to be a phenomenal week because of the word that God is about to give us today. Uh, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter uh, the obstacles that you're facing, no matter the circumstances or situations, I want you to remember one thing, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Amen. Christ in you, Christ in me, Christ in every single person in your family is the hope for glory. You know, I really believe that, that, that as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not meant to sit in hiding. We're meant to go into the places which are the most darkest places. And in this season, it might feel like there's darkness all around you. Guess what? It's time for you to shine. This is your season to shine. The world is looking to the church for answers. The world is looking for Christians to reveal the true light that is within us. See, for us, the light that is within us does not go off when everybody goes to sleep. The light continues to shine. Every time, the more the, the darkness exists, the brighter the light shines. So I want to encourage you for this coming week that you would have a bright week. You would have a phenomenal week. You will experience the life of God within you. Um, you know, I, I feel like this week, you're going to get opportunities to take your eyes off the problems, to take your eyes off the obstacles, to take your eyes off the insufficiency and fix your eyes on the solution to all the problems. And Jesus Christ in me is the solution to all the problems. I really believe that God is giving his children tailor-made solutions for all the problems that exist in your life. Legalism means that there's one solution for all the problems. But God is so creative that He knows exactly where you are at and He, he tailor-makes the solution for you according to the problem that you face. And I believe that God is giving us grace. His grace is so vast. He's giving us grace to be able to be a solution provider in this season. God has called His church to be a solution provider. And you are a solution provider. And so before I begin my, my, my message and before I begin uh, the word today, I want to encourage you that if you have any questions about last week's word or this series in general or even today's word, I want you to uh, write to me. I want you to, my email will come down there uh, on the screen, write to me uh, and uh, you know, don't, don't write to me, uh, you know, uh, hoping to get into a theological debate, okay? Uh, but uh, not that anybody has, but, but I'm just saying because there are people who, who have certain understandings of end times and you know, death and life and all of that kind of stuff and they process what I'm saying through those lenses and I want to uh, I want to encourage you to have a heart to go deeper in understanding God's word and if you want to go deeper in understanding the word that God is releasing through Life Church Global write into me I'm absolutely uh, available to to reply to you and uh, you know I, I feel like I grow when I re when I reply to you I grow every time I preach uh, I grow every time I study the God's word I grow and I and I grow deeper in my understanding of God's word so I want to uh, I, wa I want to encourage you to write in into us and uh, let us know we've got so many emails the last time I gave my email address and I took my time and I replied and trust me 
every reply was, I was like, wow, this is another message. And, I, and, I, and I'm grateful to those people who wrote to me because uh, I learned so much from, uh, from that experience. And so I want to give this opportunity uh, to you again. Uh, don't put sad comments on YouTube, uh, but if you have any questions, any doubts, just send them to my email address and I'll help you with uh, understanding. All right. Uh, so saying that we're on a series called Kingdom Dynamics. It's, it, the kingdom of God is so dynamic. It's so vast. Uh, it's, so, uh, it's so fluid, you know, that, that we cannot say, okay, this is only, this is the kingdom of God. Whenever um, we get into that mindset that this is only the way the kingdom of God functions, uh, then we become a little legalistic. And so I want us to go a little deeper today in understanding kingdom dynamics, especially in the, in the area of kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is a phenomenal subject. It is so deep. We're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, maybe up until the time that we go back to uh, having church like normal, maybe, you know, because uh, Jesus' only message was the kingdom. He came to present the kingdom of God. He came to usher the kingdom of God. Uh, and I don't think that, that the kingdom is just a, a small subject. It is vast. It, it's as vast as the universe. And, and we have so many things that we need to learn from the kingdom of God. You know, as, a, as the pastor of Life Church Global, my hope in this series is that all of us, you and I, would have a clear understanding, a clear and a deeper understanding of the values and the application of the values and how to apply these values in the kingdom of God. We need to have a clear and a deeper understanding of what these values are and how to apply it in our lives. Because when we understand the values and we apply these values in our life, it's not only us, but everybody around us begins to experience the kingdom that you're from. It's very important that we Understand, based on, our, on last week's message, I mean, you and I are citizens of heaven, but we're also ambassadors of heaven. We have, uh, we're from heaven, living on the earth with a purpose on the earth. So I'm a, I'm a citizen and my citizenship of heaven uh, it comes to me because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of my obedience. It's because of what Jesus has done on the cross. My citizenship from heaven is a grace gift. My citizenship in heaven is a grace gift through the work of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I need to, you and I need to fully understand what is the culture of heaven. What that culture in heaven is like because if I begin to apply the value systems in my life according to the values of heaven, now I begin to manifest an environment around me. I have two questions for you. The first question is what do people experience around you? 
If you were to, to really look at yourself. Now, when I ask this question, a lot of times people process the answers according to what they want people to see in their life. You know, they, what, what, they, what, what they want people to see in their, in their life. What they want people to experience uh, out of their life. Not the truth of what is really happening in your life. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, even Christians are really good at masking, you know, now we have COVID-19, you know, we have the mask. The, the other day I was, um, uh, we went to the mall and, and some, we were going up the escalator and somebody was coming down the escalator and this girl was like, hi, Pastor John. And I was like, I don't know who she is. And it was such an embarrassing thing because I'm trying to smile, but I'm also, you know, I can't, she can't see my smile because I have a mask on. She has a mask on and she's trying to tell me something. I had no clue who she was and it was too late because she was going down and we were going up and I was like, yep, there goes that that scene right there. (laughs) But we're Christians are really good. We've mastered the art of wearing a mask. And uh, we, we are one person in church, we are one person at home, we are one person at the office. We have different masks for different occasions, you know. For different dances, we have different masks. And, uh, and I feel like, truly, if you were to ask yourself the question, what do people experience around me? When, what does my family, my children, my wife experience around me? What do they say about what they experience? See, because they, 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 the people in church can come around you and they might be like, yeah, this, this, this lady, this guy is absolutely cool, man. He's full of faith, full of all of that stuff and, and the word of God and we quote all the scriptures, the right ones at, you know, at the right time and all that kind of stuff and we sound extremely prophetic and, and we sound like we have the wisdom of God in our life but truly when it boils down to you dealing with problems in your life, with you dealing with circumstances and situations in your life, when people closest to you see you at your worst what do they say about you and the second question is what does God say about you these two questions in my life has have have sort of been the lens through which I I communicate to God because I, I've used these two questions as a as a as a, a a a road barrier to help me navigate through my life, and I, and I want to encourage you to to have these two questions every day. L- ask yourself these two questions every day. Because what do people experience around me? Not what do people say about me? Because you can have your identity, a false identity formed from what people say about you based on what mask you wear. At what time? But at the same time, what do people experience around you? You know, you can sit with a, uh, with a person who's faking it. Uh, you might smile at them, but at somewhere deep down on the inside, you know something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. So what do people experience around you? And the second thing is, what does God say? about you. You know, David did not go around saying, God is my best friend. God, uh, you know, uh, I'm after God's heart. It was God who testified about David saying, 
He's a man after my own heart. It's something else when people come to you and testify on your behalf and say, man, that church, Life Church Global, the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God is being preached in that church. Man, Life Church Global, there's this person in Life Church Global or that lady or this man or this child. I can see God in their life. They're the same when they go home. They're the same when they're outside. They're full of the Spirit. They're full of joy. We can see the kingdom manifesting in their life. It's something else when you walk around and testify about your life or when people testify about your life. But it's totally something else when God testifies about you. That's why I believe that God chose Jesus, His own Son, to come in the lineage of the one who is after his heart. It's amazing. Jesus was called a son of David. Why would God give his only son to someone, right, in the lineage of David? It's because David was genuinely after God's heart without anybody else watching it. Without anybody saying, hey, David, why don't you go after God's heart? David, why don't you worship? David, why don't you do this? David, why don't you do that? It was in the little things. It was in the everyday. If you read through David's life, it was in the everyday mundane choices that he would pursue God's heart. It was in the little things. God, where do I go from here? God, what do I do? God, what do you want me to say here? Do you want me to go into battle? Do you not want me to go into battle? Do you want me to stay at home? Do you want me to go here? What do I do with this person? What do I go here? How do I treat this king? How do I treat this person? It was in these choices where God testifies about David's heart. And so I want to, I want to say this. The atmosphere around you is the product of the environment that is within you. It's very important that we understand because the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom is, a, is an atmosphere that is, is a product of application of values of the kingdom in your life. So we see that the word of God, right, is the values of the kingdom. God does not apply anybody else's word. He applies his own word. He is his own standard. The laws that were given to Moses was the standard that God keeps. He still keeps those standards. And so we must understand that the atmosphere of heaven, the, the, the culture of heaven is, uh, is based or is a product of the atmosphere that is within God. He, he is the one who is the word. He speaks his word and he is the one who applies his word, right? The Bible says he honors his word above his name. And so he values, God honors the value systems of the kingdom above his own name. So if God values his word, God honors his values, how much more each and every person who is in the kingdom of God should honor the value system of heaven. I want you to, to pay very close attention to me because we might think that, oh, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an, I'm a, I'm an ambassador of heaven. And you might, you, might be, you, know, you might pat yourself on the shoulder uh, and you might think that it is a, it's like, a, wow, it's, a, it's, it's forming your identity. It's not forming your identity. You must understand your citizenship was because of what Jesus did on the cross. But your, your 
let, let, me, let me play around with it. Your ambassadorship comes from a purpose because you've received a purpose on the earth for the kingdom of God. When you apply the values of the kingdom of God in your life, ladies and gentlemen, your, the mind, your mind gets renewed. You are transformed because of the word in your mind. But when you start applying the word in your life, when you start applying the value system of the kingdom, now what we're saying is God, not my will be done, but your will be done. When I apply the values of the kingdom in my life, in my family, in my business, in my, in my workplace, in my school, where, in my relationships, wherever, now I'm saying God, not the atmosphere that of the world, but the atmosphere of heaven come here. We're saying, we're saying, let the atmosphere of heaven manifest itself. Now, the atmosphere of heaven, ladies and gentlemen, does not just fall into a room from the sky. It comes out of you. It comes out of you when you apply the word in your life. So the atmosphere around you is the product of the environment that is within you. What is the environment that, that is within you? Because people testify of this atmosphere. You must understand that, that because you're a citizen of heaven, God gives his word freely to you. The, these words are the values. When you receive these values, the, the, Jesus says the kingdom is within you. What does that mean? It means that your mind has been renewed by the values of heaven. You had, before you came into the kingdom of, 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 of God, you were a part of another kingdom. And that kingdom had a certain value system. Now, how you operated in that kingdom was different to how you operate in the kingdom of God. So, which means in order for you to function in the kingdom of God, in order for you to, 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 to go about your daily work in the kingdom of God, you've got to let go of how you used to think and you've got to grab on to how God thinks. Amen. It's very important for us to understand that. I've got to embrace, I've got to allow my mind to, to stop thinking how I used to think, which is now producing stinking thinking. And now I've got to come into a place where I need to think according to the value system of heaven, which produces a fragrance called Christ. And so people around you now, when they come around you, what do they experience? Do they experience the atmosphere of stinking thinking or do they experience the atmosphere of fragrance or the fragrance of heaven? Because for us, people don't know the language, but they know the atmosphere. They know something is different about this one. I can bring this person in the office. They, 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 they might be having so many problems in their life, but they still have a smile on their face. They still speak with hope. They still uh, communicate with that, that tomorrow is going to be a better day. Today, we might have gone through something, but tomorrow is a better day. When you start being like that in the world, they know something's different about this person. Christians need to be the ones who carry the fragrance that attract people to you. See, I want to tell you, Jesus is the desire of the nations. Are you? <laughs> That's the question. Are you a desire of the nations? Are people repulsed because you're a Christian? Or are they attracted to you because you are Christ-like? So we have to come into this place where we understand that 
there's more to my life than just having my salary at the end of the month. There's more to my life than just make God supply my, all of my needs. There's more to it. They supply my needs according to riches. That, that's the extra part that we really don't think about. You know, we think about God supply my needs. I have to pay a credit card bill. I have to pay this bill. I have to pay electricity bill. I have to do all these bills. But God's like, can you pray according to the values of heaven? Can you ask me to pay your electricity bill according to riches? Why can't we believe God saying, God, I need, I need money to pay this month's electricity bill. But because I know your value system of heaven is that you will supply all of my needs according to riches. So can you pay my electricity bill for an entire year? Come on now. I think I've just expanded your, uh, your, the hope in your heart for you to begin to communicate to God according to the, the vastness of the kingdom. How about saying this, God, I thank you that you healed me on the cross 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to visualize my life without any sickness. Without the need of going to a doctor. In fact, I am so healthy that I'm, that I'm exuding this fragrance of health that everywhere I go, every sick person begins to get healed around me. They know that I'm a solution to their problems. See, this is the kingdom of God. It's not, a, it's not a docile kingdom. It's not a like, oh, weak kingdom. It's a very dominant kingdom. It supersedes every other kingdom. It, it superimposes itself on every other kingdom. And it brings transformation to every aspect that is submitted to it. So the atmosphere, you must understand, you're a citizen, but also an ambassador. And as an ambassador, your responsibility is for you to renew your mind, but apply the word according to the renewed mind. So as a citizen, what makes me a citizen of heaven is what Jesus did. What Jesus did renews my mind. It renews my mind, it transforms my body. When my mind is renewed, the kingdom is within me. When the kingdom is within me, the, the, the environment of heaven is within me now. How does the environment get out or manifest? That's what we use, the word manifest. The kingdom manifests when I apply a value that is in heaven, that is God's value, that is God's word. I apply it in my everyday life. Now, when I, as, as an ambassador, I apply the value system of heaven, now... The environment around me, please listen to me very carefully. The environment around me is the territory of heaven. The environment around me is a territory of heaven. Which means if anybody tries to attack me, heaven begins to protect me. If anybody threatens me, heaven begins to respond on my behalf. Why? Because I'm an ambassador of heaven. You're an ambassador of heaven. Your child is an ambassador of heaven. The Life Kids Church that, that, that we, we, we so love and admire and we love Alejandra for everything that she's doing, she takes the word of God, the value system. We're building the value system into your kids' minds. So that when they go to school, they're not going, oh, okay, uh, I think we're going to get sick now because of COVID-19 is all around us. No, they're just walking around being, hey, I'm, I'm, there's no sickness that can touch my body. Yeah. 
Why? It's because there's this atmosphere, there's this territory around us that protects us, but also everything within that territory is submitted to the will of God. So which means as an ambassador, if I face an issue on the earth, if there's an obstacle on the earth, if there's an obstacle in the economy, if there's an obstacle or circumstance or situation or a storm in someone's life or my life or anybody's life around me, truly you're an ambassador if you exercise the authority of heaven on earth. If you're, if you're running to your pastor asking him for prayer, it means that the environment of heaven or the kingdom of heaven is not within you. Or it is within you, but you don't believe it is in within you. So now you have to go to somebody else who you think is more powerful. How can, you, how can I have more power than you? We both receive the same word. It's just that I've allowed my mind to be renewed. And when I allow my mind to be renewed, I have the faith to apply the word. See, a lot of times, people build a theology around what God is not doing because they don't have the faith to apply the word when God is doing something. I'll repeat it again. A lot of times, Christians build a theology around what God is not doing because they don't have the faith to apply the word that, of what God is doing. It's a good word today. So when you understand that the culture of the kingdom is so important for us to understand, the culture, the value system, it's not just another message. This is our life. This is, this is how we live our life. You know, I'll tell you something. Um, you know there's an Indian in the room by the way they speak, by the way they dress, and by the way they bob their head, and by, by, you know, by, by the way they speak, by the food they eat, everything. The same thing with a Filipino, the same thing with an African, the same thing with an American, or even a European. Or even if you're from China, it doesn't matter where you're from. You are coming from a tribe. You are coming from a group of people. You're coming from a culture. And so when you begin to exercise where you are from, people will recognize, ah, no, 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 you're not from here. You're actually from there. I thought you were from here, but actually you're from from there. (laughs) You you understand what I mean, right? I'm grateful my church gets it. They they are absolutely, they know exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Right? You look look at an Indian, you don't have to bob your head to be an Indian. You don't have to say yes and no at the same time by by doing that. You don't have to do it. But people will look at that and say, ah, I know where you're from. And if you're an Indian, the kind of bob, the angle of the bob of the head will tell you which part of India you're from. (laughs) Where we have, we have these, yeah, we have, we have certain, yeah, we we know it, we know it. We we know when we see a brother or a sister, we know it. But the same thing with an African. You take a, you take a, a a Zimbabwean and you take a South African, both are, 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 are colored and, and you put them in the same room and, they're from different cultures. They look similar, but they're from different cultures. 
Why? It's because of the way they dress, the way they, the way they eat, the, way, the food they eat, the type of food they eat, the way they celebrate, the way uh, they communicate, the way their, their body language is. In the same way, if you are from the kingdom of heaven, there's a certain behavior. There's a certain way that you conduct yourself that tells people that you're not from here. Something is different about you. You are from heaven. There's something different about this person that even though the economy is failing, what they say comes to pass. Why? It's because when you're in the kingdom of heaven, you fully understand what it means to be obedient. What it means to be obedient. So today I'm going to touch on this one value system of obedience. Obedience, whenever I say the word obedience, a lot of us have this jarred experience on the inside of us. You know, where there's mom and dad, where the teachers in school, where the principals, uh, the government, whatever it is, we've always had a negative kind of feeling about obedience. And we feel forced to obey. But I want to redefine obedience to you. And, I, and I've done this with the church before, uh, but I want to, I want to uh, broadcast our, our culture at Life Church Global, which is the kingdom culture, okay? Obedience in the kingdom is not you tell me and I do it. Obedience, the meaning of obedience is the state of your heart while you are listening to instruction. Obedience is the state of your heart while you're listening to instruction, not while you do it. So which means, uh, while, I'm, while you're listening to my instruction, you've decided already whether you want to take it or not. You've decided whether you want to obey or not. And, and Christians have come into this place, so believers have come into this place because they know that God shall supply all of my needs according to riches. They have all these promises, you know, from God. Oh, God will supply, God will give, God will do, God will do this, God will do that. There's an obedience without the heart. There's an obedience without this aspect of love. See, obedience is the state of your heart while you're listening to instruction. And before you can, you can be faithful to God, God places you in a community with people in authority over you. And before you understand uh, how, how can I relate to a God I can't see, how can I obey a God I can't see, I need to figure out God in someone I can see. And God, that, that, and I submit to and I obey to the people, to God in people who are in authority over me or people who are around me. See, because instruction just does not come from people in authority. It comes from people who are at your peer level, people who are younger than you. People, you know, I've come from a culture where if I'm older than you, I'm going to listen to you. You're younger than me, man. I'm the older brother, I'm the older sister, I'm the uncle, what are you talking about? You know, I'm older than you, why should I listen to you? But, you know, I'll tell you, God, if God can speak through a donkey in the Bible, He can speak through me. Amen. If He can speak through me, He can speak through a child. Yeah. 
If he can speak, he does not have to use words. The child can just blink and you learn from, from, from that child. You know, I've learned uh, submission and obedience to God in the way I treat my dogs. You won't believe it. My dogs have, teach me how, how I need to, to communicate with them the way God would communicate to them. I'll give you an example. You know, the, a couple of weeks ago, I was really frustrated because my dogs were not eating food. And I was like, come on and eat your food. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to, I feel like, man, I'm giving you food every day. Why are you not eating? And, and they just go to their food. They smell it and they give me that look and they just go and sit or they leave the room. And one day I was like, I feel like, I feel like, ah, I, was, I was getting it. And then I heard God speak to me. And he said, why don't you try another approach? I was like, what is the approach? <laughs> he said, why don't you just go to them and apologize? I was like, what? <laughs> Is this you? <laughs> Why do I need to apologize? They don't even understand English. <laughs> he said, they know exactly what your heart is saying. I created them. They recognize me in you. They will respond to me in you. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll do it. So Kelsey was in the room, and so I sent the dogs to the room. So I wanted to do this in private, because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so I said, go to your room, go to your room. And so they went to their room, you know, head down and everything. So I sat down. And as soon as I went down to their level, I said, you know, champ, I'm so sorry that I spoke to you rudely. Can you please eat your food? And then, you know, the other one was looking at me as well. So we have two dogs. So I, I went to him, I, I, I held him, and I said, I'm so sorry because I spoke to you badly. And I, and I spoke to you rudely. I know this is not God, but I apologize to you both. Wow. I got up, and without me even saying, go and eat your food, both of them went and ate their food. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, I learned so much from my dogs. So if they're dogs, can you imagine people? Can you imagine people who are not saved? The way we conduct ourselves around them really communicates what kingdom we're manifesting. And so obedience is not really you doing what I tell you to do. But obedience is the state of your heart while you're listening to what God is saying to you. While you're listening to the message right now, what is the state of your heart? Because we said during testimony time, hey, keep a clean heart so that the word can come and you can bear a harvest in your life. God is looking to bear a harvest called Christ in you. So if you can keep a clean heart, then the seed, the Christ seed that is sown on the inside of you will bear a harvest of Christ in your life. And that's what the world needs. They need more of Christ than they need John. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, there are better people than John. But no one is greater than Jesus. This is powerful. So our responsibility is not my will, God. Not my desire. Not my gifts. Not me. But Christ in me is the hope of glory. So the question is, do you obey because you are submitted? Or do you obey because you love the one you're submitted to? That's what we really need to think about. Because when you obey without loving the one you're submitted to, you experience change but not transformation. 
See, I'm, because you're my pastor, I'll just do whatever you're telling me to do. But my heart doesn't love you at all. You will experience change in your life for sure. You will experience a breakthrough in your life for sure. But you don't experience transformation. See, transformation comes when by the renewing of your mind. If you're listening to the word that I'm saying right now and your mind is being renewed, which means your old thought is gone and a new thought has come into your mind. Now you begin to experience the love that is in my heart for you. When you experience the love that is in my heart for you, you will reciprocate love to my love. That's when you begin to do the works. See, we cannot do the works without love in our heart for God. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot save the lost or, or go out and evangelize without love, without love in our heart for God or for His people. And we must understand what God is trying to say to us today. In order for you to experience transformation, which means once it's transformed, it doesn't go back to where it was. When you experience change, you can change today and you can change back tomorrow. See, a lot of times I've, I've come across Christians who exhibit change, but not transformation. How do I know that? In the long run, six months down the line, eight months down the line, one year down the line, two years, ten years down the line, you start revealing who you were when you were influenced by the world. Yeah. See, but in the kingdom of God, I'm not trying to fight sin because that finished on the cross. I'm not, I'm not a sinner any longer because that aspect of my life doesn't... I'm not trying to fight temptation anymore because that part just died. If I'm trying to fight temptation from the world that I used to be addicted to, then I've not experienced true change, have I? I've not experienced true transformation, have I? When we are in the kingdom, when I apply, when I, when I receive the, the, the value system of the kingdom, now I begin to experience genuine transformation. When I am submitted to a person when, and, my, and my heart is full of love for the person, I may not even understand what they're saying. I may not even get it. I may not even see it in the long run. I may even disagree with what they're saying. But because of love in my heart for you, I will serve you. I will obey. I will do it because I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. I believe that your heart is full of love for me. Not just instructions, but full of love in for me and when you begin to function from that place you don't just experience change in your life but true transformation now I want to show this to you in, in, the, in the book of Luke let's go to Luke chapter 5 and uh, there's this beautiful story All right, so Jesus is, um, is speaking to the multitudes and now the multitudes are pressing on him so he gets onto Simon's boat Okay, and so Simon now has just come back from fishing all night, and they've caught no fish. Okay, and so I want to I want us to read from the first verse in this story. All right, chapter five, verse one. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. 
and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Okay, verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, this is Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Okay, now keeping in mind the context of what I was presenting, obedience will see, obedience without the heart will see change. Okay, but obedience with the heart will see transformation, right? Just remember that. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Okay, so basically what he's saying is, God, I've used the wisdom of the world, my, the wisdom of my expertise that, I've, that I'm a fisherman. I've, uh, people have taught me how to catch fish. I know how to catch fish. And I've toiled all night and there are no fish which tells me that the fish were running away from his nets because he was using the wisdom of the world. And, but Simon answered, verse 5, Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, come on, at your value, at the kingdom culture, at the kingdom values, I will let down the net. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. This would be phenomenal for a church, right? If a church uh, had so many people coming and the pastor was not insecure that he would say to another pastor in the city, hey, my church is full. Can you take some? (laughs) Kingdom value. Hey, we're getting there. Trust me, we will be the first ones to do it. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Come on. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, not feet, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners, partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought all their boats to land, they forsook all, they forsook all and followed him. Which means even the fish they caught, they forsook. And there was something about him that even without his invitation, they left it and they ran after him. So you must understand what's happening in the story. It's beautiful. Jesus is talking to the multitudes and now he gets on Simon's boat and he tells Simon, hey, listen, he realizes that they have not caught any fish. And he says, go into the deep and put your nets one more time. And Simon's like, come on, dude. Like, I've done this before. I've cut the grass. Come on, I've swapped the floor. Come on, I've picked up the chairs. Come on, I've played music in church. Come on, I've given in the offering. Come on, I've done this so many times. It does not work. But at your value, at your word, at your kingdom value, I will do it. Now, you must understand, Simon did not have love in his heart for Jesus. In this moment, he was just doing it because he wanted to be obedient to Jesus because he looked like a man who was preaching, must be, must be a man of authority, so he must be a teacher. So I'll just do it because, you know, I'm a Jewish guy, he's a Jewish guy, I don't want any trouble, let me just obey him. 
So he went anyways and he put down his net. Now you must understand the supernatural, the kingdom of God, how it functions. The earth, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. The earth in, in the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. And so when Jesus spoke to Simon and said, put down your nets, all of creation that was in the water began to swim towards the net. It's, it's something when they were using the wisdom of the world, the methods of the world, it didn't work. The fish ran away from them. But here, the fish wanted to run into the net to the point where the nets were almost breaking and the boat started sinking. You must understand how creation wants to respond to the value system of the kingdom. The value system of the kingdom. Now think your money in your bank account. Now think about your money in your wallet. Now think about your kids' fees. Now think about your salary. Now think about your job. How does all of creation, they're so desperate to obey God, but they need you to first obey and be in obedience from your heart and love God from your heart and from that place begin to manifest the kingdom of God. And so now you see Jesus is giving this instruction. The fish are coming into the sea, into the net, and now they get into the boats. And everybody's like, "Whoa, something's happening here!" They're astonished, like, "Wow, man, I've, I'm experiencing something different." What is it? It's the atmosphere, the territory of heaven. Jesus did not command the fish to get into the boat. Yeah. Must understand me. He's just telling Peter. Put down your nets one more time. Even with that value system, because he obeyed, he saw change. But change, so drastic, so different. Peter comes to God. Simon comes to Jesus, falls down on his knees. And he says, depart from me for I am a sinner. What is a sinner? A sinner is a person who constantly misses the mark. Why? It's because a, a lower value system or a worldly value system or the wisdom of the world has become your wisdom. And so because you keep obeying that wisdom, now with God, you're missing the mark. But somehow he recognized that Jesus hit the mark. He was like, dude, this guy just spoke a word. How can fish jump into the net just by this man not even talking to the fish? You must understand, the, Jesus demonstrated the authority of the kingdom of heaven very differently. He's saying one thing, but the atmosphere of heaven knows exactly what needs to be done. Come on, man. Come on, come on, come on. This is powerful. You might be praying for a job, but God is giving you a word for a company to start so that you can get your job. It's different. God is just saying, hey, I'm... I'm providing that job for you. Why don't you go and send your CV? Mm. He's just saying, send your CV. Wow. But then, because he said, send your CV, now somebody in the world gets the wisdom to start a company and give you a job. Mm. Mm. Wow. Come on now. <laughs> You've got to get it. You've got to understand how the kingdom functions. The kingdom knows exactly what is your need. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things, all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. This is powerful. So Peter is saying, God, 
okay, depart from me because I'm a sinner. I'm not like you. What happened in that moment? Why did Simon all of a sudden realize he was a sinner? It's because he met someone with the value systems of heaven. So we must understand that the word of God that, that Jesus speaks or who Jesus is or what God speaks is the value system of the kingdom of heaven. And every time that, that value system is applied from a is applied by a person who loves God, you see transformation and not just change. And so we see Peter or Simon going to God saying, depart from me for I'm a sinner. He, there's repentance, there's a renew, there's a change in his mind. He repents, he realizes I'm a sinner. When we go to God, the way God forgives us of our sins is when we go to him and say, listen, I'm I'm, I'm a sinner. When you acknowledge your mistake, when you acknowledge that you've been a sin, you've been you, you've uh, you've been a sinner. You've been living according to the wisdom of this world. That's when God says, "Hey, it's okay. I forgive you." But where the way Simon experienced transformation is not Jesus dealing with him as a sinner, but Jesus commissioning him as an ambassador. You must understand that. His mind was renewed by the value system that he experienced. But then when he came to Jesus to talk about it, Jesus says, hey, listen, you caught fish. Good. Now you're going to catch men. See, for us, Peter, Simon might have been like, what? I don't get it. But there's something about you. There's something about you. There's something about you, Jesus. To the point where they forsook everything. They forsook their business. They forsook their family. Everything, they forsook their, their boats, their livelihood, and they just began to follow him. Why? It's because somewhere in that conversation, in that interaction and that miracle, love was deposited in their heart for Jesus. You cannot follow someone if you don't love them. You can't follow a leader, firstly, who doesn't lead you. You can't follow someone that you don't love. It is only when you have love in your heart for that person that when the person speaks a word that you obey it and that's when you begin to see transformation. See, Simon saw great transformation in his life. Did he make mistakes? Was he hard-headed? Yes. But God was not interested in dealing with that stuff as much as he was like, hey, I've commissioned you as an ambassador to go evangelize and bring people into the net, into the kingdom. And so that we see that what Jesus did to Peter, Simon, changed the world. What Jesus did to the 12 disciples, what he, the way he communicated to them, the way he taught them the value system of heaven, till today is changing the world. But he did it by ushering a kingdom. He, he taught them the value systems of heaven but also Jesus demonstrated it. So I want to take you to, to John chapter 13. And it's this phenomenal moment where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So the story goes like this. That the feast of the Passover was, was, was over. And Jesus now knew 
listen to me very carefully. Jesus knew that his hour had come. His hour to depart to the Father, to leave the disciples and go to the Father from where he came. And the Bible says, if you read this, the chapter, the Bible says that Jesus knew that God the Father had given all things into his hands, which means Jesus was a man of authority. Before he could reach the cross, he had all authority. This is, this is very powerful. Because you have all authority in the kingdom, doesn't mean you lord over people, but you actually serve people. It's different in the kingdom. And so Jesus is demonstrating this to his people. Why? It's because he wants to impart into us or his disciples this value called love, this value called obedience. Okay? So he says, so he washes their feet, and then he goes on to say in verse 13, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, which means you're right, for so I am. So, so, yeah, so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to have, ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do, here's the word, as I have done to you. This is very important. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Not what I have done to you, as I have done to you. You see the difference? The difference, people say, hey, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Let me also wash the disciples, my disciples' feet. Let me wash everybody's feet. Let me start a feet washing company. Why? Because Jesus washed people's feet. This is the way it's done in the kingdom. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's not what he did, but how he did it that matters. And so he says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant, this is awesome, a servant is not greater than his master, not he, nor, he, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay? This is phenomenal. So he washes his disciples' feet and, and then now this moment comes when Jesus says, okay, you're calling me teacher and Lord. Okay, teacher means I'm the one who teaches the value systems, but also as a teacher, I also demonstrate what these value systems are. So I give you theory and also I give you experience so that you gain wisdom. Okay, so it's not only knowledge, it's knowledge plus experience gives you wisdom. All right, so if I'm your teacher and I am your Lord, Lord means a person who has authority over you, which means that you have fully submitted your rights to this person who lords over you, right? So the disciples have given up their life and they followed Jesus. So which means if Jesus says, guys, we're going right, they go right. But they go right because they love him, not because he is the Lord. That's very important. So now he says, okay, because you call me Lord, you call me Lord and you call me teacher, now I've demonstrated what the Lord and teacher does. I washed your feet, now you have to do what I have taught you to do. But it's not what you do, but how you do it that matters. Why? It's because in the kingdom, love is demonstrated more than it is spoken of. If you want a person to, to experience 
experience love, the love of the father, the love of God, the love of a husband or a wife, whatever, love is always experienced and not just spoken of. I can go to my wife and say, sweetheart, I love you. But I love you with a bouquet of flowers or, uh, or an awesome candlelight dinner says hello. <laughs> There's a whole other ball game right there. This, I've experienced your love. I've experienced your love not because you just called for reservation, but you took the time to think about me. You took the time to call a restaurant. You took a time to research what I love, not just what you love. Like I, if I were to book a restaurant for, me to go, for us to go and eat dinner, it would probably just be meat. But the way love is communicated in the kingdom is I know my wife loves sushi. So I don't eat sushi. I don't eat raw food. So, but at the same time, my love for my wife is demonstrated in me saying it's not about me now, it's about you. So I book a restaurant or I go to a place where I know my wife will be satisfied. So in that, she experiences my love for her. So love's measure is seen in love's sacrifice. In the kingdom, there is a place where people who are in authority are in authority. But just because they have authority doesn't mean that they lord over you. In the kingdom, you have authority to serve the people that are under you. And so Jesus is demonstrating this now. He says, hey, listen, guys, as I've washed your feet, why don't you wash each other's feet? As I have washed, which means the love that I have for you, now have that same love for one another and demonstrate it. It's not what you do, but how you do it that matters in the kingdom of God. This is very important. So now Jesus is, is saying, if you do these things as I have done them, not what I have done, but as I have done them. He's saying, blessed are you. Which means there's a blessing, not in just obedience, but the heart, when the heart is obeying. See, Jesus, um, you know, the greatest commandment in the kingdom, when, when he was asked, uh, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. All of these three things exist in the soul which is the decision maker, the heart of the person, the, 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 the faculty of decisions and the faculty of making choices is the place that God wants. It's not the physical obedience, but it's the heart that God looks at. He looks at the heart in everything that you do. And now in verse 34, he says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, here we go, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the, the key word in this, in this verse, verse 34, is the word as. A new commandment I give you, and this is the new commandment, that you, he's saying, you love one another as I have loved you. Which means the love that is mentioned here is not the phileos love. Phileos love is a love that friends have for one another. And that friendship love is, is a, uh, it, it's, a, it's a love that brings behavior change but not transformation. It's a, it's a love that says, hey, listen, I'm loving you so that you can change your ways. 
but not be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. Because to be transformed in the image and likeness of Christ, you need agape love. And so Jesus is saying, listen, guys, you, you might be friends, you might be disciples, you might be going to the same church, and you might be like loving one another based on your preferences or based on what your mood is, based on what uh, you believe is right for you. I can keep going on and on. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it, it's love where you are the focus and not the person. It's love where there's no sacrifice, but there's sacrifice on their part, which means you want to be loved, that's why you're loving. And so when you have all these conditions and preconditions to love, it brings change. I mean, I've seen it happen. It brings change, but it doesn't bring transformation. Transformation comes when there's agape love. It's the love of God. And this love is not an unconditional love only. It's a, it's a supernatural aspect of love. It's a love that involves grace. You need grace. You need the grace of God to love someone the way God loves someone. God, Jesus, left his glory in heaven. He knew he was going back to the Father. He knew he had to die. It, it, he sacrificed his life so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life but Jesus knew he was going to be resurrected from the dead Jesus knew hey man if I lay down my life that authority to get my life back up is already been given to me so we must understand that the unconditional love or the, the agape love requires grace in order to do something so transformational that it lasts for eternity the cross of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross was a demonstration of love that lasts for eternity. And so we see here, he's saying, as I have loved you. And then I want you to go to, to um, um, chapter 15 and I want us to read from, from verses 12 onwards. So in verse 12, Jesus says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Which means he's repeating the same commandment to one another, to, to the disciples. And then he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That means he's, he's showing us now the as part of his sacrifice, of his love. It's not just washing the feet, but it is in his love for the Father and his love for people is demonstrated in how he laid down his life for his friends. He's saying, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus demonstrate his love? By laying down his life for his friends. And then he gives you the qualification of the friend. He says, you are my friend if you obey what I command you. A lot of people don't want to obey, but they want the friendship. A lot of people do the obedience without the heart. And that's why, and then they wonder, why are we not friends? Why is Jesus not being like a friend to me? It's because I would like to propose the idea or the concept that you have obedience without the heart. You have obedience just because you want to obey, but your heart is not connected to the one who is in authority over you. And so Jesus is saying, 
you want to experience greater love greater love has no one than this that has uh, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends there has to be an element of sacrifice in how you demonstrate love for one another in your life groups how you demonstrate love for one another another in the production team in the worship team how do you as the in the worship team how do you set each other up for success Instead of saying, oh, I'll only do my best when I have the mic in my hand or when I play the guitar. How do I, as a person, serve you so that you can be the best at what God has called you to be? See, because that is where love is demonstrated. Jesus is saying, if you are my disciples, if you are following me, if you are connected to me, if you are abiding in me, there's a value system in you. There's my value system in you that when you start applying that word, you will begin to see the kingdom of God manifesting in your life. The responsibility of the kingdom, extending the kingdom is not just the pastor's responsibility. It's, the, it's every Christian's responsibility. But it comes from this place of love. Agape love. It comes from this place of saying, God, I don't fully understand all your plans. God, I don't fully understand what's happening right now. But I just absolutely am in love with you. I'm so in love with you that I blindly trust you. Blindly trust doesn't mean you have a blindfold on your eyes. It means that God that even though I don't fully understand it, I'm willing to go that extra mile with you. I'm willing to go that extra mile with the people in my congregation, with the people in my church. I'm willing to go that extra mile. And it is in going that extra mile that there's an alabaster box that begins to explode. And what pours out of you is a beautiful fragrance. It's an anointing called the kingdom of God. It's called the atmosphere of heaven that begins to flow out of you that causes everybody who is under you to become equal to you. See, we must understand that Jesus laid down his life so that your life can be exalted. As a Christian, I am called to live a life where I manifest agape love with the desire to see transformation in and around me. And it is in this place when you serve, when you love, when you go to the office, that you will see the kingdom of God manifest on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to leave you by praying for you today. And I'm going to pray that God would give you the grace. You would experience the grace of God in this season to, to live a life of obedience. Because it, the concept of obedience is easy, but the application is where you live, need to live denying yourself. And so I'm just going to pray for you for, for you to fully understand this value. Father, I thank you, God, for each and every person that is listening to me and watching me today. Father, obedience was displayed by Jesus on that cross. It was a gruesome display. But Lord, we hide from such displays in our own life. 
whether we're scared of it or whether we are bound by the wisdom of the world, whether we feel like we're fools, whether, whether we feel like we are, we, people will trample over us. Father, I ask you for the grace to live a sacrificial life, to live with the understanding that love's measure is always seen in love's sacrifice. That each and every person would experience the grace of God in this season to live a surrendered life to the value system of heaven that the culture of heaven would, would begin to manifest in their life God that they would begin to experience the territory of heaven wherever they go just like Jesus spoke a word and fish came into their nets Father I pray that as the people begin to communicate and as they begin to apply the value system of heaven in their life they will begin to see heaven manifest on earth. Father, I thank you that your kingdom is advancing. I thank you that this series is shaking a lot of the roots, is shaking a lot of the trees in our minds that, have, that, are, that are growing over the years, God, that, have, that is the wisdom of this world. It's shaking it, Lord. And so I thank you for this shaking. I thank you that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But Lord, every tree of wisdom in our lives, of this world. Lord, right now, I speak to those roots to be dried up because they don't bear fruit of the kingdom. And we receive your word with open arms. Lord, even though it's painful sometimes, we receive your word. We trust you. We trust your word. And we thank you that we will see transformation in our lives and in our families, in our workplaces, in every area around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bless you. I want to declare God's love upon you. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for giving us another Friday. Man, I, I just feel like heaven is in this room right now. And heaven is in you. I've manifested heaven right now by communicating it. So I want to commission you as an ambassador of heaven. Take the kingdom of God forward. Take the kingdom of God where it's never been before. Bless you. We love you and we declare long life upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.